I've asked you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 83. Would you stand with me? And uh, as we do on a regular basis, uh, we're going to stand to read the Word of God. We stand in honor of God's Word, as I've shared with you many times, uh, a, um, something that we have received from the Word of God as the uh, priest Ezra uh, read the Word of God before the people in, in the uh, book of Nehemiah. And uh, so we stand in honor of the Word of God. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. We're going to look at all 18 verses of this, uh, of this psalm. I'm going to read all 18 verses as we begin. Psalm 83, a song, a psalm of Asaph. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hegrites, Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, and the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Selah. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with, as with Jabin and the, at the brook Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb, and Zeb, yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zamuna, who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for possession. Oh, my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the shaft before the wind. As the fire burns the woods and as the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest, and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Let them be, yes, let them be put to shame and perish, that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. And Father, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts as we look at this psalm together. Teach us, Lord, lead us into your truth by your Holy Spirit. Might he give us understanding? Might he give us remembrance of your word? Might he bring glory and honor to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ? And Lord, might your spirit continue his work in us, informing us and molding us into the image of Jesus it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. This 83rd Psalm is the last of the Psalms of Asaph. And as we've been going through these um, Psalms of Asaph, 
We, we've learned that a few of them have been written by the Asaph from David's time. Uh, many of them through uh, or by one of his or maybe even a group of his descendants. And it is likely that this particular psalm was written by one of his descendants as well. We see in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14, that a name is mentioned there who's uh, from one of the sons of Asaph. Uh, and I don't want to read that verse right now because I want to read a lot of verses around it. Um, it it's in the context of, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, it's in the context of uh, King Jehoshaphat uh, and uh, the uh, people of God being attacked by a number of nations around them, even as we see here in verses 5 through 8, principally uh, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Um, and uh, they had a confederacy of, of uh, nations gathered together against the people of Israel. And it does seem that this particular psalm was written by one of the descendants of Asaph at that particular time. And this, this descendant is actually named in this passage. But I want to read with you, it's kind of a long passage, it's verses 1 through 24. I was talking with Joe about it earlier, he said, you want, you're going to read the whole thing? I said, yeah, I am. He goes, that's longer than the psalm that we're reading. Oh, yeah, I know. But uh, we actually could do a study out of this, this passage. I think it's a great, great passage. Uh, but it certainly does uh, give to us something in regard to uh, King Jehoshaphat and his fear of God in the way that he led his people. But this is the situation most likely that, uh, that w was taking place when this particular psalm was written. So uh, just follow along with me, if you would, out of Second Chronicles 20, beginning in verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the, nation, all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear 
and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with, all, with, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. This is verse 14 here. This is this uh, descendant of Asaph's name, Jehaziel. The son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of, Israel, uh, of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Isn't that cool? I mean, they're being threatened here, but they're doing a, having a worship service right here. I think it's, it's so cool. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and ye shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were the dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. So God did the battle. We see that this prophet, this descendant of Asaph, spoke up there, uh, uh, in, in verses 15 and following, 
and spoke on what was going to happen. And somewhere during this time, probably he is the one, this descendant of Asaph, who wrote this psalm. Maybe, maybe immediately afterward, maybe when he first heard that, that, that the people of the other nations were gathering against them. We, we, we can't know for sure exactly when it was that, that this was written, um, but it's likely that it was written somewhere during this particular time. C.H. Spurgeon, in commenting on this, uh, on this event, uh, after which this, or, or, or about which this psalm is written about that time, he said, these nations thought to destroy Israel and they destroyed each other. God turned them against each other. Now, one thing I want to remind you guys of is this. As we read passages like this, I mean, we're, we're, we're just amazed that God did this kind of work, even as he, as he told his people um, through Asaph, as King Jehoshaphat encouraged them in the Lord, and, and all this was going, taking place, and, and they were worshiping, they were praising the Lord, and all. It's just amazing to see this, but God kept his promise. He said, go out. You're not going to have to battle. You're not going to have to fight. The battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. Do you guys remember that the battles that you face in this life, they're not your battles? Do you guys remember that? Do we acknowledge that in the midst of the battle? That it's not my battle. And it can be a battle against all kinds of things. And bottom line is this, I, I am totally convinced that the various battles that we go through in life, and, and they can have they can have to do with a lot of different things. They can have to do with uh, uh, problems in personal relationships, sickness, illness, losing a loved one, uh, uh, financial issues, job issues. Um, it, 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 it can be a lot of different things. And all these things taking place, not that those things in themselves are, um, how do I want to word this? The enemy uses those things as tools to draw us away from Jesus, doesn't he? See, and that's the real battle. The battle is staying close to him. You know, that, that's, that's where the, the war is waged in our relationship with Jesus and the enemy wanting to pull us away. Or for those who don't know Jesus yet, the enemy wanting to blind them toward him, wanting to draw them to a place where they won't see him, where they won't acknowledge him. Those kinds of things. Because bottom line, that's what it is. It's, it's the reality of the salvation of the souls of men and women and children. And God being glorified and honored through that. And through the work that he does in his people once we come to him. The way that he loves us, the way, the way he cares for us. He's, he's so good to us, isn't he? And can, can all of us say tonight that God is good? He's good, isn't he? He's good to us. He's good to us. And regardless of the issues that we may face, the problems that we may have, the, the illnesses that may come and so forth, you know, I mean, you guys, I mean, these things come up, and you guys know what's going on with me and my wife and all, and, and, and this neurological disorder that she has, and just a horrible, horrible thing. But, you know, I, 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 I am experientially learning 
some things that Job taught us. You know, just the idea that, you know, are, are we supposed to receive the good things from the Lord and not adversity? When, when Satan came to, to, to God and the Lord was kind of bragging on Job, right? You know, and I mean, just reading that story, it's like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to be too faithful to the Lord because God might brag on us and then the enemy might just get us, you know, get after us or something. I'm just playing. But, uh, but you, you guys know that story. And, and, and twice, both in chapters 1 and 2, Satan is speaking with God and, and he says, you know, you let me have him. Basically, he says this, you let me have him and I will cause him to curse you in your face. Twice, those same words. I'll make him curse you in your face. And I think that's what the enemy wants us to do as followers of Jesus. You know, and it's not like we're going to run outside and start shaking our fists in the, in the sky and, and curse God. We don't do that, but I think we can curse him in different ways. You know, through an unfaithful witness, perhaps. You know, through um, allowing difficult times that we go through to move us to a place where we will speak of God and, 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 and maybe think, well, say something, well, maybe he's not so good after all. Or even as we talk to the Lord, you know, I thought you loved me. You know, I mean, those kinds of things that we'll do. And God help us. God help us from that. God help us. Those are the kind of battles that we face today. And the reason I bring that up is because you know, in the Old Testament, we see these actual battles and warfare among nations and God's hand of protection over his people and, and bringing victory in just crazy ways like, like this one. Our battles are different. It's a spiritual warfare. But guys, we've got to be reminded that the same God who did this in, with King Jehoshaphat is the one who fights our battles today. He fights our battles today, doesn't he? He fights our battles. The same power, same goodness, the same grace, the same mercy, the same understanding and knowledge and wisdom. You know, I think we can trust God because I think he's proven that he knows what he's doing. Are you, are you guys convinced that he knows what he's doing? Because sometimes we don't know what he's doing. But he knows. He knows. So Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, right? And in this passage, um, we see... Um, Jehaziel is speaking to the people there in verse, let's see, verse 17, when he says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Now, interestingly, those are exactly the same words. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that Moses said to the people of Israel 
when they had left Egypt, it's in Exodus chapter 14, uh, they had left Egypt and headed you know, toward the Red Sea, of course, and then, of course, we, we know that, that Pharaoh changed his mind about letting them go, and he gathered his army. They started chasing after them, and so the people had come to the Red Sea. There were mountains on either side, the Red Sea in front of them, the army of Egypt behind them, and they got all carried away, right, and, and, and upset. And, and these are the words that, that, that Moses said to them, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And guys, we need to learn to just stand still and watch God deliver. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the illness is going to be healed. That could be a part of what he does, because he does that. He can do that. There's nothing too hard for him. But what he's going to do is he is going to hold us firmly while we're going through it so that we don't need to come to this place where we're questioning him, where we're wondering if he really loves us, we're wondering if he cares, and, what, what, and asking him what happened, you know, and, 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 and we can do that temporarily, like so many of the Psalms, you know, so many of the Psalms, especially those written by David, they begin with the, with the questions and with the various things, but they always end with praising the Lord, and that's what we need to do. Praising the Lord just as the people of, of, of Judah did in this particular situation. So, the writer of this psalm begins with this prayer in verses 1 through 4. He says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. And basically, he's saying, do something. God, do something here. And, and, then, and then he begins to lay it out here. Behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. Uh, they, they have exalted themselves against you, basically is what that's speaking of. Uh, they've taken crafty counsel against your people. You know, they're, they're consulting with one another, consulting together. We see there in verse 3, against your sheltered ones. They've, come, they've said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation and the name of, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And so, so we see them doing these things and they're gathering together, consulting together, making these plans. It's a, a multi-nation uh, confederacy conspiring together led by seemingly, seemingly by Moab and, 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 and Ammon to come against Judah and as we see here really uh, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. That's the purpose that they have. They're saying let us cut off the, the, this, uh, the, cut them off from being a, a nation that the name of Israel will be remembered no more. Boy, does that sound familiar? There are nations today, enemies of Israel, who want them to be remembered no more. They don't believe that they should really be a nation, right? You know, and throughout history, the enemies of God have worked against his people to wipe them out of the, off the face of the earth. We see it in the Old Testament. We, we see it today. But today with the church as well, right? With the church as well. 
in our culture, you know, the, the liberals, the uh, socialists, would love to see Christians destroyed, churches disbanded. They don't want us gathered together like we are tonight to worship our God and to study his word and to be encouraged by him. They don't want that. They're against the things of God. Jesus said in John 15, 18, we're familiar with this, I'll just share this as a reminder, but in that passage, John 15, 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You know, so, so when we have these troubles in the world, you know, and, and, and it is getting more and more difficult in our culture to publicly live out our Christian values. Lots of issues going on in our world today around our values. Uh, one of the more recent things that I just read about, I was looking into it today and I, I found this, and it's just in our area, the, the Harupa Unified School District uh, fired a Christian teacher. So let me just read this. A Christian teacher with this school district was fired from her position for refusing to comply with the district's policies on gender. Surprise, surprise. Jessica T uh, Tapia says that one of the directives the district required her to follow to keep her job was to lie to parents about their students' gender identities. So the kids will come to school and you know all the, all the confusion that's out there with gender identity today, right? Well, let's just say, you know, a, a girl comes to school, she wants to be identified as a boy, so she tells the teacher, she makes it known, I want to be identified as a boy, so we make sure you refer to me with him or, or, uh, or he. And the teacher who hears this has to lie to that girl's parents about what she's saying. And she said, I can't do that. I can't do that. that, that that's, I can't. So they fired her. And in fact, they, they brought her before, uh, maybe it was the principal who asked her, some, some official asked her, is there anything else that you would have trouble doing because of your faith? And she said, well, yeah, there, there is. You know, I, I would never let a boy into a girl's locker room. I just would never do that. And, well, they weren't happy about that either. She's lost her job. And she's, she's doing the necessary filing of, uh, of uh, uh, suits and so forth, whatever she has to do. But uh, she's, she's fighting for this. But this is what's going on today. You know, so even then, as the people of Moab and Ammon wanted to destroy the nations that the name of Israel may not be remembered, anymore. It's always been that way in terms of the world against God's people. It always will be that way. It's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. We just need to be ready for that.
And we need, I think we need to imagine in our own, whatever's going on, you know, I, 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 I don't think that I'm going to lose my job for talking about Jesus. I don't think so. And you guys were supposed to laugh at that because that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> but one of you guys on your job, if you talk too much about Jesus, you could perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. But I think we all need to just kind of imagine, you know, the worst case scenario, the things that might happen, and, 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 and make our plan on how we're going to stand for righteousness, you know? How it is that we're going to respond? You know, because that's just the best way to handle it. You know, pray, seek for God's strength and his wisdom, uh, and, you know, make a plan to stand. And, and, and how we might do that. And I know that some of you guys have had to do that already in certain situations, but it's just the world that we live in today. So in verses 5 through 8, we see the psalmist writing about those particular nations that have gathered together. Verse 5, For they have consulted together with one consent or one heart. They form a confederacy against you. The prayer continuing as he's uh, talking to the Lord. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, uh, Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, and the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. They have helped Moab and Ammon. That goes way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 19, the children of Lot. You, you know that story, how, how Lot and his family were rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah before God destroyed those cities and all, and his wife turned and looked, and she was turned into a pillar of salt, and then it was, it was Lot and his two daughters. They went into the wilderness, and um, the daughters, uh, the older daughter, she's the one that, that spoke up. She said, listen, sister, you know, our, our, our dad has no means of, uh, of, you know, continuing his lineage, you know, and, and we, we've got no men around us to help us give him grandchildren, you know, so why don't we do this? Let's get him drunk. I'll lie with him one night, you lie with him another, and we'll have children. That's what they did. And each of them had a boy, and one was named Moab, the other was named Ammon. And they have been a thorn in the side of, of Israel ever since, you know. Uh, but th that, that, that's, that's why these words are in there like that. They've helped the, the children of, of Lot, uh, the, 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 grand, the grandchildren in particular, because those nations became uh, Moab and Ammon. Those children became those nations. Verse t 9, let's, let's continue on. Now we see not only the things that these nations are doing and this conspiracy and, 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 and uh, consulting together and all and, and who they are. Now in this prayer, he's asking God to deal with them a particular way in the way that he's dealt with enemies in the past. That's what he's asking. And so in verse 9 through 12, we see, we see these words, deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Jabin, and at the brook Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, 
let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for possession. Most of these stories, or most of these incidents, in fact, all of them really, that are named here, these, these names and the, the nation of Midian, and then the other names here, the, these are all uh, from the book of Judges during this period of time. Of course, uh, the, the Midianites, um, we, we see in Judges 6 through 8, Gideon being used by God to um, deliver his people from, uh, from Midian. And we'll see a couple of, uh, there's a couple of names down here that, that have to do with that. We'll be looking at that in just a moment. Uh, here in verse 9 also, Sisera and Jabin uh, are, are mentioned. Now they are mentioned in the fourth chapter of Judges. This is at the time when um, Deborah was the judge of Israel. Um, Jabin was the king of the um, Canaanites and Sisera was the commander of his army, the general. There's one story that I want to read from, 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 from that fourth chapter. You know, we don't have time to look at all the stories that, that are being referred to here. We just don't, that'd be too much. But I do want to read about this one because this is so different and so interesting. In Judges chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. Now, God had promised through Deborah to the people, uh, Barak is the uh, uh, soldier, the uh, uh, commander of the army, uh, at, of the Israeli army at that particular time. And so Deborah told Barak that God had promised victory, that he was going to deliver Sisera into his hand. And so they attacked, uh, the people were destroyed, but Sisera himself got away. And that's where we start off in verse 17 in Judges chapter 4. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You shall say, No. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg, took a hammer in her hand, and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. And then as Barak pursued uh, Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into the, her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So Jael, 
This is, this is one of my daughter Tracy's favorite stories in, 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 in the Bible. You know, um, woman power, right? <laughs> she loves this story. In fact, we, 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 we had a dog. We got her a dog. She was, a, I don't know, she's 12, 13 years old, something like that. Got her dog, and guess what she named the dog? Jail. You know, one of her favorite stories. But, uh, I mean, drove a tent peg through his temple. And the way it's worded, it sounds like, I mean, he's laying there to the temple, through the other temple, and into the ground. Right? I mean, that's what it sounds like, the way, the way it happened. And, man, this was a strong woman. But uh, God delivered... Um, the people of Israel from uh, the Canaanites in that way. We also see the names here in verse 11, Oreb and Zeb. In Judges 7.25, we see these words, and they captured the two princes of the Midianites. Now this is during the, what the Midianites, as we see here, uh, under, under Gideon's leadership, Right? They captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They, they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. So this is one of those battles uh, that had to do with the Midianites being subdued by the Lord. And then Zeba and Zalmunna, uh, two other men who are mentioned in the 8th chapter of Judges, uh, Midianites as well. But we see here as, as uh, the psalmist is praying, he's citing examples of the way that God has delivered his people before. And now he's saying, do it again, God. Just as you delivered us in these situations, do it again. And just a reminder to us to remember the works of the Lord. You know, I think it's a very healthy thing for us to recall how we got saved. To recall what was going on in our lives when we got saved. I mean, the Lord uses different situations. He uses different things that we're going through to cause us to begin to cry out in, in our need. And for every one of us in this room who, who know Jesus Christ, who've been brought to him, you know, I mean, we, we've got a, a, a situation, but so many times, you know, I mean, we, we can easily, when we go through difficult times, we can easily look to the past and say, well, you know, those were the good old day, days, you know, kind of a thing. And was it really? You know, I mean, we, I, I think we need to remember what God has done for us and how much better our lives are today. I mean, I look back on my own life. I, I was 21 when I got saved. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to get into a whole lot of trouble. But, Oh, man, I, I can't imagine what my life would have been without Jesus, knowing the direction that it was beginning to head. And, and the Lord just kind of cut me off at the pass, prevented me to getting into those kinds of situations, that kind of trouble, 
You know, I, I'm certain that my, my family would have been destroyed. You know, I, I, I was beginning to, uh, uh, you, you guys know that I got saved uh, in, in uh, uh, Lake Tahoe. You know, we, uh, Jeanette and I had gone up to, to gamble. My, my first, it was my 21st birthday. I wanted to have some fun and gamble legally and drink legally and stuff. And, and I, I really do believe that my life was headed to, toward becoming a gambler. And I don't know how bad it was, was going to get. But however bad it was going to get, the Lord saved me from it, you know, because he saved me uh, there up there at, at Lake Tahoe. But, you know, I, I think it's just good for us to remember that because sometimes we are just not living our lives like we're aware, like we remember and forgetting to be thankful for what God has done for us. And I think we need to be sharing with people around us, you know, sharing with, uh, it's important for, for parents to share with the kids our kids, what God has done for us and the way that he's done it. Verse 13, let's move forward. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the shaft before the wind. As the fire burns the woods and the flame sets the mountains on fire, so pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Let's stop there for a moment. And, and right there in those verses, we just see some, uh, uh, some colorful language in regard to uh, the, the, the psalmist crying out to God to, 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 to work, you know, to pursue your enemies. And like the chaff before the wind, you know, the, the, I mean, the chaff was no, no match for a windstorm, you know, the whirlwind and so forth, fire in the woods. You know, the mountains set on fire, and they, can't, they, they don't have a chance against a, a, a raging fire. We're, we're very familiar with that here in California, aren't we? I mean, every year we've got our fires that take place, and, you know, it's very destructive. And, and the psalmist is writing like that. Pursue them in that way. Pursue them with your tempest and frighten them with your storm. Your tempest, or, or your storm, yes. And then verses 16 to 18, look, look at the way that he closes. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Get that? Fill them with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. And remember, uh, we, we see O Lord there in capital letters, that means that's his name. We... we should really read that, can read it as, O Yahweh, O Yahweh, fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Yahweh. You know, I mean, what's going on here is all the nations had their own gods that they worshipped. And the God that Israel worshipped, of course, is Yahweh. But we know that, and, and they knew, that he was the true and living God, and the other gods that others are worshiping aren't gods at all. Yet, in their idolatry, they worship them. So he says, Yahweh, make them seek your name. Verse 17, let them be confounded and dismayed. Yes, let them be put to shame and perish, that they may know that you, whose name alone is Yahweh, are the Most High 
over all the earth. So many times in the Old Testament we see this, this idea connected to what God is going to do. The prayers that men prayed for God to move. That, that they may know that you are God. That the pagans, that the worshipers, the worshipers of these false gods may know that, that you are the one and true living God. You know, and we, we, we see that he's not praying for deliverance just simply for the sake of the nation being delivered. He's praying that God would be glorified and in him receiving glory that others from other nations, even God's enemies, would realize that the God of Israel is really God. That there is no other. Like what we see with Rahab the harlot in Jericho. After they had received the news of what took place with with God delivering the people from, from Pharaoh. She was one who was convinced whatever gods were being worshipped there in Jericho, no, the God of the Hebrews, he's really God. After what he did in bringing them across the, 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 the Red Sea and here now, no, that's the God I want to worship. The God who does stuff like that because he's really God. You know, so that, that's the idea that, that they have here. And, 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 and guys, as we live our lives too, you know, and we talked about fighting our battles. And might it be more than just as we battle, as we go through things and we're, we're fighting these battles, might we pray and seek the Lord, not simply so that we can be delivered through the battle, but might we seek and pray and, 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 and cry out to the Lord so that he will bring honor and glory to himself. You know, that in the way that he delivers us, that others will be watching as we live our lives for the Lord successfully, even in the midst of all the trials and the heartache and the pain. And have that peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, people will ask us, why are you so calm? How can you have peace? You're smiling. It's like you have some kind of joy. And, and, even, and, and you've told me what's going on. How can that be? Then we can give to them a reason for the hope that lies within us. Because of Jesus. Amen? For him. For him. I pray that we're able to do that. Let us never forget it's the same God who delivered the, the, the Israelites time and time and time and time again is the one that is here with us. Not just simply with us, but in us to deliver us through the warfare that we're engaged in, through the battles that we're facing, remembering that it's not our battle, the battle is the Lord's. Let's stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord, the deliverance of the Lord. Amen? And Father, help us to do so. Help us, God, we pray. Have your way with us. We pray, God, that you would 
Lord, as we sit before you even now, all of us going through something, something going on in our lives that we've prayed for you to intercede uh, and, and, and a problem for, for you to handle and all. And God, might we be faithful to stand still? Might we be faithful to just look to you? Our eyes are on you because so many times, even as Jehoshaphat prayed, Lord, we don't know what to do, so we're just looking towards you. We're looking to you. We don't know what to do. Help us, God. Be with us. Give us direction. Might we know your presence and the joy that comes with your presence. Fill us with your peace. Indeed, that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, might might we be a witness and an encouragement to people around us. God, be glorified in us that others will come to call out after you, to call on your name, Lord Jesus, that they might be saved. And we ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together.